BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Whale of a tail. <laughs> a whale of a tail. It's going to be a whale of a tail. <laughs> whale of a tail. Professor Park. Professor Park. I'm excited about our lessons today. Yes. <laughs> and I hope that um, I hope that you're very gentle uh, on the exam, uh, Professor Park. Yes. Yes. Uh, because uh, a lot of these terms can get confusing. Yes. Uh, and there's a lot of different, uh, there's yes. different hooks in the tip. Uh, well, buddy, I hope you figure out what the answers are because I'm cheating off of you. I, uh, <laughs> oh, please. Please accept me. Well, I mean, we'll be you. friends together. We, that's why we're friends. I cheat off of you, and then you get the answers right, and then I pass the test, and then I invite you to a party, and I let you touch my boob in the dark, pretending I'm a woman. This should be <laughs> the most grateful thing I would ever experience for. <laughs> I know. Please let me learn about whales today. You don't have a chance in hell, buddy. Please we're let me learn about whales today. No Welcome chance. to the last podcast on the left, everyone. Ben hanging out with Henry and Marcus. Finally, finally, we're going back to the sea. Finally, we've been out of the sea for what, six, eight months now? Not since Blackbeard have we returned to the sea. And during Blackbeard, right, again, yes. we, we discover things. We find out that the pirates obviously were a little bit more liberal, right? It was a fun little <laughs> ship. No, right? it was because, a more oh, no, 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 no. Just because they blow each other out of pure desperation <laughs> for any kind of human contact, that doesn't mean they're liberal. But guess what? <laughs> this time. These guys are sucking dick and they mean it. <laughs> All right? Because these guys are, these are some smelly motherfuckers. Very oh, smelly. man. You know you come up from the quarters, the main quarters, and be like, uh, buddy, you got a little, uh, got something on your beard there. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, I've been sucking the pig leg. <laughs> oh, Marty over here. Oh, the old pig leg. Um, but oh. today, a whale of a tale. A whale of a tale. Whale of a tale. The tragedy of the Essex part one. So in the year 1820. Oh, I can smell it now. <laughs> mm, bread, shit. Yeast infection? In the year 1820, an American whaling vessel called the Essex went down in the South Pacific Ocean after a massive sperm whale attacked and destroyed the ship thousands of miles from even the nearest uninhabited island. And I want to say that was one of Brendan Fraser's greatest performances. <laughs> <laughs> and I am here Lawrence. to tell you he is oh, back. Lawrence. He is cool. He is nice. And it shows you nice guys who were super attractive when they were younger and really got famous because of their beauty can also succeed when they're older and 
a whale. You see, that's what you do. And what I love is the climax of the film when they cut off the top of his head and dip deep into the white, viscous cream that is the base of his skull. Yes. They went and spent money at the end of it. It was really, it was wild. It was. Unexpected. Well, the 21 souls aboard the Essex sought refuge in the smaller whale boats with limited provisions and only a vague idea of how and where they could be rescued. What followed was a sort of Donner Party at sea. Mm -hmm. A tale of bad luck, bad decisions, and bad leadership. Fatal errors! No! And as a result, two-thirds of the whalers who left the island of Nantucket a year before died horrific deaths on the water. So 14 out of 21, if my math is correct. Something like that. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> something sure, sure, like sure, that. Sure. Well, yeah, you really did well. Something like really that good. Good. 16? Good. I'm not sure. 14. 14? Yeah, 7 times 2 is 14. And then 7 times 3 is 21. Two-thirds dead, 14 dead. Good job, Ben. Thank really you. good work. Well, famously, the destruction of the Essex inspired the climax in Hervin Melville's Moby Dick, which is all the fun stuff that Melville crammed into the inn after making people read hundreds upon hundreds of pages about cytology and coins and endless fucking gams. You love that stuff, Marcus, <laughs> though. I know you love descriptions of gams, mm -hmm. which is, you think it means sexy legs, but it no. doesn't. It means a whale party. A gam is a whaling when two whaling ships meet each other and on sea. And they trade like, stories. Oh, ah. so when's the last time you saw a whale? Oh, I saw a whale three weeks ago. Oh, and then I saw another one. Oh, that reminds me of another whale that I saw. Let's talk about it for 40 fucking pages. Yeah, yeah it was called the first ever podcast. <laughs> let's just say that sperm whale is running a little low. <laughs> What? Sucking dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's a that's secret. my story. You got to keep your special secret. <laughs> <laughs> now I know it's an English major. I know the point of Moby Dick. I know that it's supposed to mirror the pace of being on a whale ship for months, if not years. Yeah. It's supposed to mirror the long periods of extreme boredom that are punctuated by moments of pure fucking adrenaline. See, Marcus, it? this is why whoever wrote Moby Dick, Moby himself, I would Herman assume. <laughs> Uh, he needed two friends like Henry and Ben to say, Herman, wrap it up. Getting a little bored here, Herman. But isn't it one of those books? Because I don't remember because I read Moby Dick or I attempted to read Moby Dick at attempted. least when I was in high school. Yeah. But I think that a lot of it now, it's one of those books where so, like some nerd is always like, but actually it's quite funny. And you're like, I, I don't know. I actually, I might be wrong. I'm not certain. No, no I don't think it's actually quite funny. Oh, no. Actually, what you don't understand. This is the this direct screaming parody of wailing life. And it's like, I don't know, man. No, no. It's, it is actually written purposefully to be boring, to mirror the life of a whaling vessel. So that's what it's supposed to actually do is you're supposed to go along the whaling vessel, along the whaling voyage with them so no. you can learn what it's like to be a whaler. And that's why people consider it to be so brilliant. If they can't understand me, how can they reach me? Absolutely. Put some tits in there. If you really want me engaged, right. I need a hell cube. I need some tits. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I need like five more whales. I'm yeah. kind of with you on that, buddy. Herman Melville, who finished the end with any luck, they'll hate it. Yeah. And they did, actually, at the time. He did. Very good. He yeah. was panned. Yeah. Widely Absolutely. panned. Wasn't, wasn't considered, yeah, wasn't born. considered great until after he died. Herman Melville sounds like a Henny Youngman style comedian who only does racist jokes for the king. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been. Yeah. 
Well, if the description of long periods of boredom punctuated by extreme action, if that description sounds familiar, studies have suggested that the PTSD suffered by some whalers back in the 19th century is very similar to the sort that soldiers have been experiencing since time immemorial. I don't want to be super stupid here, but what about the fucking whales? <laughs> the whales. We're going to get into the whales. Okay, they're indecipherable. They're sad, right? No, they, some people, yes. Okay, first of all, as we wade into this episode, I understand there's going to be a lot of whale murder in this episode. Mm -hmm. But again, these are viewed as allegorical creatures, right? Like, yeah, at the time, now we love whales. Yeah. Right now, everyone's yeah. like, oh, whales, cute, fun, love it, want to ride one, want to fuck one if I could, right? Sure. Everyone says that. They're all want to have sex with these animals. Everyone right? says that. Oh, I love SeaWorld Triple X. <laughs> Absolutely. But, but then... Like it's what they talk about in Moby Dick, the idea is the whale is the sort of like a search, an, ex an exhaustive search for something you can't quite catch, right? Mm, it's a, it's yeah. a mysterious beast of the ocean. It's way more of the wave than of the plate. Okay. Now it's a truly capitalist enterprise in which you're raping the the earth in order for maximizing for in order for maximum profits. I mean See, that is that is whaling at its core. No, this whole thing your... is about making luby. For factory machines. Right. <laughs> Put your ear down to the earth really quick. And what do you hear it say? Yes, I'm fine with it. <laughs> Whoa! Yes. Pocahontas Whoa. was wrong! Yes, yes I'm she fine She was with fucking it. wrong! Yes, indeed. <laughs> I'm happy you finally said it, Henry. Well, when you bring 19th century American whaling down to its essentials, it is a fascinating yet brutal subject. Oh, yeah. See, just as the story of the Donner Party was wrapped up in the frontier exploration of the mid-19th century, so too were vessels like the Essex a major part of sea exploration during roughly the same time, although the sorts of voyages taken by whaling ships were far more intense. They really were, because they all said the same. The reading I was doing talked about how if you were a whaler, you never knew if you were coming back. No. Like, the, as soon as that shit was going, which, kind of, you know, it said a lot of seafaring enterprises at the time that was common, but there was also, like, whaling's an extremely dangerous job. It's almost like we should have figured something else out. <laughs> yeah. But we, but we were, our economy was heavily dependent on whales. Yeah. And so we ended up going and getting further and further into this, which is an extremely horrible, horrible job. Well, not to mention you're constantly in the shadow of Bob Marley, and you're like, you know, Bob's great, the fan, whalers, fantastic musician, Bob Marley, great lyrics, but yeah. without well. the band, the yeah. Whalers, Bob, nah. maybe not everyone would get your Rastafarian meanings. Yeah, everyone wonders about <laughs> the functions of Kissel's jokes and his bon mots, and what they are is to drive the story forward, yeah. because that's what we do. It's all about endless forward momentum. Oh, yes, show. indeed. I love that Bob Marley song, Don't Worry, Be Happy. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I feel like you can get permanently canceled just, yes, just for that one. Yeah. Uh, just that one statement. Well, at its core, whaling is close-range <laughs> hunting on the open sea. It's something closer to a battle. Furthermore, you're in what is basically a large rowboat, and you're going up against the largest creature to ever exist Ooh. in Earth's history, an intelligent creature with a strong will to live. Yeah. Additionally, when hunting certain species of whale, specifically the sort that the Essex was after, whalers embarked on the longest voyages of any hunter in history, sometimes for years-long stretches. And of course, the longer you're out there, the deadlier the voyage has a chance of being. Yeah, because you just get lost, dog. Yeah. And then uh, the way they talk about how, like, it's just confidence in wind. 
man, I don't have any confidence in the goddamn wind. It changes every five seconds. Yeah, it's scary out there. You don't know where, where you're going. Yeah, they don't know they where knew, you're going. They, knew where they, they were don't going, know man. where they're going. No, they know what direction they're heading, but do they know where they're going? But a lot of that's spiritual. You're talking the difference between plot and story. Yeah. Now, when it comes to the tragedy of the Essex, we actually know quite a bit about the voyage because the first mate wrote a 128-page narrative recounting the tale not too long after he and a few others were rescued amidst the bones of their shipmates. The bones cool. of their shipmates! So there you go. Writing does serve a purpose. Yeah, and this was the accepted story for almost two centuries. But in 1980, an old notebook written by the cabin boy on the Essex, Tommy Nickerson. Yeah, I hope we edit on a couple of chapters. <laughs> he was very fair about the sex, but he did not like to necessarily talk about being a cannibal because he said he didn't want to spend his old age being recognized as one. But I say it's nice because it gives you more room at the supermarket. That's mm -hmm. for dang sure. Well, he was like, what do you mean open about the sex? He didn't talk about the sex. I mean, you just read it off. It's bled off the page. Yeah. It's <laughs> Nothing about but the, the pure word. sensuality. I did look at, we'll get into the sensuality of whalers. Sensuality, yes. <laughs> well, this notebook, it was identified by a Nantucket whaling expert named Edward Stackpole. I know whaling books. They all smell like shit. <laughs> yeah. Slick to the touch. Wow. Yeah. It was identified as absolutely genuine. Okay. And Nickerson was only 14 when he went out on the open sea, but he wow. was 71 when he finally wrote down the story. Yeah. Holy crap. Okay, so he lived a long life. Mm -hmm. Now, the stories in Nickerson's notebook and the narrative written by first mate Owen Chase, they more or less matched up. But Nickerson's account was more warts and all, which gave the story a much more human flavor. <laughs> Devilish, Devilish gallows humor. It's not foreshadowing if you fucking laugh. And, yes. Devilish. Will they ever not be rogues? So people are gonna, people are gonna eat each other in this episode. Not this episode, next episode. Next episode. Fantastic. Yeah, next episode. Great. A whole bunch of it. Yeah. Great. Awesome. But as far as our main source for this series goes, we have In the Heart of the Sea by Nathaniel Philbrick, which is an absolutely fantastic account of the Essex tragedy that also features a solid overview of the wild world of whaling. I'll tell you what, they always have to blur out the blowholes, <laughs> which I actually think is disgusting. Hey, let's think about this. Free the blowhole. I completely agree. Are any, is anyone named like someone without ED? Is there any masculine names in this? Yeah, what do you mean? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, there's Robert Pollard. Yeah. Okay, that, that works. Yeah, there's Wilmington but, Climax. <laughs> no! There's Johnny Sucks-a-Lot. <laughs> oh, there you go. That was his nickname. Yeah. yeah. Now, when whaling was at its height, it was the fifth largest industry in America and extremely profitable. As wow. one expert said, you would be surprised at the profitability of these whales. <laughs> you're just like, I'm dying here, sir. <laughs> well, before the discovery of petroleum, whale oil was the highest quality lubricant that humans could produce. And it made the best candles, which was no small thing in an increasingly industrializing world decades away from electricity. Okay. The smell of this. I Talk about this idea of these, these whale fat candles just yeah. burning and like just leaving a residue, everything. I, I ugh. 
Ah, but that's why they were actually so expensive because they didn't leave the residue. That's what they uh, didn't burn as much soot. They were said to be the favorite candle of Benjamin Franklin. Oh, Oh, wow. You can just see him in the shadows as he turns into the Dracul as he's banging a random gal with his big old belly. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking into a mental mirror? No, he was a cool guy. (laughs) But But in your mind... Benjamin Franklin was a vampire? Yeah, yeah. No, like weird. It's a <laughs> whole other all scene. history. I've been trying to get him off this Benjamin Franklin is a vampire thing for a long time. It's been a close to 12 years. No, Gary Oldman, when he was the vampire, was shadow. So I'm saying Ben Franklin's shadow is so just Yeah, you're so just mashing up a bunch of Again, hurtling forward. Well, well. <laughs> well, somewhat sneakily. Whaling was the industry that made America powerful enough and economically independent enough to separate from England, even if the number one customer for whale oil was the English. It's kind of like massively psychologically and kind of symbolically appropriate Mm -hmm. that the thing that allowed America to become what it was at the time period was just the, the absolute devastation of every whale within hundreds of hundreds and hundreds of miles, but then selling that same whale blood Mm -hmm. to the very people that were in charge of us in the first place, Mm -hmm. but somehow that kept us separate because it seems like money was the only thing that anybody cared about. It seems like it's a country founded by blubber. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yes. It's kind of like the wreck of the Exodus. It's like the wreck of the the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, I love that song. But if Edmund ate Fitzgerald. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came to the whaling industry in America, it had always been centered around the weird little island of Nantucket just off of Cape Cod in Massachusetts, which by the 19th century had come to define itself in every aspect as a whaling community. In fact, one prevailing Nantucket myth said that one of the founders, a man named Ichabod Paddock, had been, quote, swallowed by a whale, in whose belly he found the devil and a mermaid playing gods for soul. I think you stole that from Jonah. Yeah, in the Bible. No, it's, no, but again, allegorical. Allegorical. <laughs> no, Jonah didn't. He didn't find the devil and a mermaid playing cards for a soul. That's a fantastic. That's a fantastic image. It's yeah. cool. It's a good scrimshaw art piece you'd buy at a farmer's market. It sounds like you went to a <laughs> casino called the Whale. <laughs> but when it came to the types of whales that originally brought the English to Nantucket, they started with what they called right whales. Ben. Do you know why they were called right whales? Pop quiz, hotshot. Let's see how he fucks this up. <laughs> because he thinks Benjamin Franklin's Dracula. Because whenever you were thinking about a candle and you were getting in the mood with your girl, the whale was right there. You say in the whales cucking you. They're watching you from the side, <laughs> like a man in a hotel room. Yeah. Um, so whales from the sea just. I'll be your candle. Okay, <laughs> I'll be your candle. It's incorrect. Um, no, it's I would incorrect. assume that because they go to the rights. No, no, it was because it was the right whale to kill. That's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard. <laughs> no, my answer was better. <laughs> it is just more obvious than you'd think. Yeah, that's how they get you on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah, it's the. <laughs> that's how they get you. The final question isn't always that difficult. No, that's no. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. play in the mind. It's and you're just looking journey. at Regis Philbin, sweating there, sweating, <laughs> looking at him, and he's just there going, "It's unbelievable." <laughs> He's been dead for a long yep. time. Yeah, I don't know who runs that show anymore. No idea. Well, right whales were actually baleen whales, and their beached bodies had been harvested by the Wampanoag people of Massachusetts for centuries. You know, I once knew a man from Nantucket 
who did what? What did he do? What was his thing? What was his fucking deal, Henry? Genocided a whole group of Native Americans (laughs) that were there originally. Yeah, you knew him. That's great. Yeah. But in 1712, a man named Captain Hussey spotted a new whale off the coast of Nantucket. New whale on the block. Wow. (laughs) Its blubber was superior to that of a right whale, providing a brighter and cleaner burning light. But what truly made this new whale special was what they found when they cracked open its skull. These guys are so fucked up. That's <laughs> the first thing they thought of. Well, like, crack there? open its fucking head. Let's see what its fucking brains are like. <laughs> what, else yeah. gonna, what else are you going to do? I don't know. You're right. I don't know. You'd be the only one that shows up with a spoon. <laughs> <laughs> now, upon first exposing the fluid contained in the creature's head to oxygen, it looked sort of like vodka. But as the fluid oxidized it came to look a lot more like cum. Mm-hmm. Oh. So they named the substance Spermaceti. And they, Boy, called, the cre- nice. and they called the creature the sperm whale. That's how it's got its stupid yep. name? 100% true, my friend. And the, the, watching oh, these wait, documentaries, so seriously. Cut, so this is the most dude way ever to name something. <laughs> cut open the top of a fucking animal you don't know his head. Yo, bro, you it looks just like- saw this animal for the first time. Yo, fucking Henry, man. You think that looks like cum, dude? Fucking holy fucking shit. What did my call older the, brother here earlier? What the cum whale, dude? Holy fucking but shit, like, dude. medical. Sperm. Sperm whale. Bro, looks like a whole bunch of guys from my gym were in there recently. <laughs> no, it is uh, the pleasure I had of watching so many of these historians <laughs> Trying to we because again we, we are I'm children here yeah, right of we're course, children of we're course, highly they're the children they <laughs> fucking were like looks like cum cum but it's these watching academians just being like named after the male ejaculate like trying to say the terms ejaculate or spermaceti and they can't figure out how to say it and they're but but they can't smile no one's allowed to laugh no one's allowed no. to do anything their favorite euphemism is. Seminal fluid. Seminal fluid. Yeah, it which looks is so up. much dirtier than cum. <laughs> shut up. Because seminal fluid is what you scrape off a corpse. Oh, Cum, gosh. at least everyone's alive in the room. Right, yeah. No one could certainly say that they named this thing the sperm whale simply because the stuff looks like cum. Doesn't have to be sexual. <laughs> Doesn't just have looks to like cum and that's that. That's just yeah. right there. It's just like sure. it looks like cum. Great. Because right. they didn't have as much icing then. <laughs> right, so you use that, kind of scoop that up there. But... There seemed to be something about spermaceti that made writers weirdly sexual, but not necessarily horny, if you get my meaning. Yes. I do not. (laughs) So that means that they're writing half hard. You'll see. Half hard. So in Moby Dick, the protagonist and narrator, Ishmael, called me Ishmael. Right. He experienced a sort of ecstasy as he squeezed the lumps of fresh spermaceti out of the head of the recently murdered sperm whale. This is what Ishmael said, and this is written by Herman Melville, who worked on a whaling vessel himself. I found myself unwittingly squeezing my co-laborer's hands in it, mistaking their hands for the gentle globules. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's because it's like when people say about paper factories, they when it smells like farts, it like yeah. smells like money. Yeah, is that these guys are like that? If you as you read about whalers, because we'll get into how they render the oil and blah blah blah. But they said these disgusting things. It was worth so much money. No, I I get it. It doesn't mean that they have to like take great horny joy in popping the. Like Dr. Pimple Popper. Or, uh, Here's another example. An 1874 memoir from a whaler named William M. Davis told of how luxurious it was to wade into pots of spermaceti to squeeze and strain out the fibers. Ah, where, where he, quote, 
almost fell in love with the touch of my own poor legs. Ah, this yeah. is the brain of a <laughs> fucking whale they're talking <laughs> they about, right? Scurry. They used to be, because it was so worth it. The yeah. money, it was the... the wait, wait, okay, can I just add? So what are they getting out of the sperm? Like Spermaceti. That and shit. that's the candle. That's, that's, goop, that's the candle, yeah. That's what the they're making the candle. The center of a sperm whale's head was worth more money than any other substance on Earth so at the time. So they didn't use any... What did they, did they use the blubber from the body as well? We'll get into all of the blubber. Okay. We'll get but into the, the whole thing. No, they didn't just like, it wasn't like uh, they used to do with the buffalo in the Wild West where they kill it, cut off the, cut off the fur, and then just fucking leave the corpse there. No, they used every part of the whale. Actually, so you that's to- not true. I learned about it because they were noticed how that's how they would find whaling expeditions later on where they went was because they'd find the piles of dead, because they would use chunks of much as they could, yeah. but the rest of it, they'd leave. Well, they- no, not every part of the whale, yeah. but they'd use the blubber. They weren't just remnants. using the head. You they just were find doing the whole thing. Floating like islands of rotting whale meat oh, just yeah. out in the ocean. Of no, because the sailors didn't like whale meat. They say it was too tough, too I gamey. Be- I believe it. I believe so it. So they'd rather eat Jeff. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. So it's like, so they got this candle that comes from the cum of the brain of the whale, then they package it, and then they put a little spruce in it, and they call it Christmas tree, and they sell it to your grandmother? Oh, no. Well, let's think of it this way. Like, this is before electricity, so this is the only way you're seeing at night. How is Ben Franklin going to write at night if he doesn't have his candles? Yeah, this is And think about where America would be then, my friend. Think about there. Think about how how Jonathan Harker would not have possibly (laughs) gone through what he went through visiting Benjamin Franklin in Philadelphia. Which the whole book, Dracula's all about a real estate deal. It really is. It very much is. All right. Well, the thing about sperm whales is that the spermaceti came with a greater risk. Mm. Sperm whales were far more aggressive than baleen whales, and they were found further away from shore. But the quality of their oil was far higher than that Mm. of a baleen whale. So for many, the reward outweighed the risk. Now, of course, whalers immediately slaughtered every sperm whale they could find within the immediate vicinity of New England. So they had to range further and further out to kill and find them. Real smart there. Problem was, it wasn't profitable to sail for three months, kill a whale, and sail another three months back with this whole whale carcass. So whale ships were turned into ghoulish floating factories where whalers could kill, butcher, and process carcass after carcass until the hold was filled to the brim with whale oil. Just just fucking uh, jiggling (laughs) gelatinous stank because it smells supposed to be just absolutely fucking putrid. Oh, I'm sure. It's supposed to be the worst smell on earth. I can see the Amazon smile logo that also looks like a penis. Now that you think about it, you won't not see it. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, mine just... always has. Mine has that big golf club like swing at the very end of it. My <laughs> penis goes is a full L. It's actually not a bad design if that's where the G spot is of the gal. That's your partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but it mm-hmm. depends on how far mine is. Like it's pointing back at me. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. It's unfortunate anatomy. Weird. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, then and only then could a whale ship return to Nantucket after the entire hold was full of whale oil. Oh. God, they must have really, you must have known that they were coming they yeah, said that a they mile did. away. They did. And as a result, whaling voyages turned from seasonal affairs that may have lasted like nine months at most yeah. to years-long voyages. And likewise, the distance traveled became almost unfathomable. 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 
By the late 1700s, Nantucket whale ships could be found in the Arctic Circle, the west coast of Africa, wow. and the east coast of South America. In fact, the British Navy used to complain that everywhere they went, expecting to find nothing and nobody, they'd find Nantucket whalers, having whaled <laughs> the fuck out of the area long before anyone else even thought of going there. I just see a lot of robust women with, with their underwear sticking out of the top of their pants when we talk about this. But I also know that this is yeah. because these were the factories that this whale oil allowed us to have the entire industrial revolution inside of America. Mm. Like it's the right. stuff that went into all of the machines. So they were desperate. And the people that were paying for these whale boats were people like the Macy family, mm -hmm. the Folgers family. Wow. We're all like, these are people that like huge American quote unquote dynasties were like yeah. also needing this blubber. Yeah. Whaling is like the secret history of America. Okay. As far as who those Nantucket whalers were, they were mostly Quakers. Pacifists when it came to humans, but fucking demons when it came to whales. Hmm. See, the Nantucket Quakers were extreme weirdos, because as we all know, the smaller the island, the stranger the folk. Absolutely. Live from your grave. Stamps.com has postage rates you literally can't find anywhere else, like up to 84% off USPS and UPS. It used to cost five barrels of wine to send one single mare from one county to another. Can you even believe this? For 25 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses. And if you sell products online, I know I do because my words are products. Stamps.com seamlessly connects with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Use Stamps.com to print postage wherever you do business. All you need is a computer and a printer, and they even send you a free scale. But they don't send you a mailman because now you're the mailman. And guess what? I can be as drunk as I want when I deliver the mail. Set your business up for success. When you started with Stamps.com today, sign up with promo code LEFT for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code LEFT. Last podcast on the left is sponsored by Squarespace. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Thanks, Squarespace. With Squarespace, it's easy to create a beautiful website all on your own terms. Don't let anybody tell you what to do. This ain't your mama's website platform. It is, actually. It's actually be very easy for your mother to learn. You don't want to miss Fluid Engine. It's a next-generation website design system from Squarespace with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile. I thought it was just the name of what my blood pressure medication turned me into. Um, I'm peeing. Now, my goals for the year are I have two warehouses filled with horse picks. Now, I know a lot of people, uh, obviously this bit has been done, but the Zendaya centaur picks are not going anywhere. And I've been trying to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale line out. Uh, I need these moved, okay? Because I have to move into the storage unit. Let's just say there are problems at home. So I need Squarespace to shoot this through the roof for me this year. And that's why I'm going to go full tilt. And not only are you going to get the Judge Reinhold sitting on the Clydesdale entire series, clothes and non-clothes, what we also are going to offer, and I mean this, we're trying to get into giraffe rides. I brought this up the other day. We got to start riding other animals but horses. Take pictures of the horses. 
Photoshop the horses into other celebrities, but stop riding them. Save a horse, ride a giraffe with Squarespace. Go head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Squarespace.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says right here, what would you do of another extra hour of your day? I mean, well, obviously I'd get some nunchuck training in. Uh, I'd make love to my wife. That takes about nine. That's a full nine minutes of that hour. And then I would probably uh, go to get a donut. And then I'd probably yell at my parents. But a lot of us wish we had more time. The question is time for what? I don't know. What works for you? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. And therapy can help you find out what matters to you so you can do more of it. You know that question? They're like, if you had a billion dollars, what would you do? You know, and like, you know, when I answer, it's of course I would grind the government to a standstill with my giant machine of my making in secret for many years. But a lot of people get mad at that. And it's really hard to do that in a job interview or like when you're meeting somebody's like your significant other's parents for the first time. So, and we might actually want to think of starting therapy. So give BetterHelp a try. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash last pod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash L-A-S-T-P-O-D. Now, whaling was such a part of Nantucket life that children were taught whaling terms from birth, and bedtime stories usually involved killing whales or eluding cannibals, Ooh. as one might imagine doing when you regularly deal with isolated South Pacific islands. I can't sleep, Andy. Want to tell me another whale story? Okay, let me tell you a story. So it was me and my buddy Paul, right? yes. and we were on top of this whale. It was beached on a, oh, on a beach, right? We, we, we got up on there, and I said, "Oh, Paul, you can take the hole. You did such a good hole yesterday. <laughs> oh. I'm climbing up in the mouth. I'm gonna come in his ass backwards." <laughs> Hey, you know, listen, get it, sit down, lay down, lay down. This is a story. This is how I afforded your private school. Oh, this is great, Daddy. Well, speaking of which, there were whaling groupies. There were secret societies of young women who swore to only marry a man who had killed a whale. See? <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say, but see, there used to be a time where a man was respected for his job. Well, these men could be identified by the pens they wore on their lapel to show that they'd indeed been blooded by blubber. It's always clout. Yeah, always. Nantucketeers even had their own toasts, not to life itself, but to good whaling. Oh. They would raise their glasses and say, quote, Death to the living, long life to the killers, success to sailors' wives, and greasy luck to the whalers. Oh. I'm actually going to be doing Dry January. Um, so <laughs> I won't be able to. No, I can tell this when one. you're doing it because I can just I can smell the monster. <laughs> yes. And indeed, greasy luck was needed. Oh. Because whaling was a deadly business. In 1810, a quarter of the women in Nantucket over the age of 23 had been widowed by the sea in one way or another, and four of the youngest crew members on the ill-fated Essex had either lost fathers or were total orphans. I mean, widowed by the sea is one thing. Have you ever been? 
been DP'd by the moon? <laughs> oh, it's brutal. <laughs> funny. Brutal. Absolutely <laughs> horrific what that moon can do. So if you're the lady, they didn't love the guys. They just knew they were going to die young and they'd get a pension. Well, actually, let's get right into that. You're not Please, too far off. God. But perhaps out of emotional necessity or complete honesty, the Quaker women of Nantucket seemed to revel in the fact that their husbands were constantly gone or in some cases dead. Is this why Natalie keeps asking me when we're going back on tour? <laughs> This is unbelievable. See, in Quakerism, the sexes were considered intellectually equal, and the women of Nantucket maintained a complex web of personal and commercial relationships that kept Nantucket going while the men were away. Typically, a woman could expect to see her husband for three to four months every two to three years. Whoa. Oh, they didn't love these men. <laughs> <laughs> they like the blubber. Yeah. Yes, they did. You're, she's making blubber money. No, they're doing their own. They're pulling their own weight. They're yeah. building the youth. I in Nantucket. Yeah. Well, so comfortable were these women with this arrangement that they even had a song celebrating how great it was to be married to someone they saw only briefly every once every few years. Here are but a few lines. With his brow so nobly open and his dark and kindly eye, oh, my heart beats fondly towards him whenever he is nigh. But when he says goodbye, my love, I'm off across the sea. First I cry for his departure, then laugh because I Free. Well, it sounds horrible. <laughs> horrible. Yeah, I'm one of the rougher wives. Yeah. And you wonder why God volunteers for all these trips when it comes down to it. I suck a mean dick and I make a great shouter. You do. Yes, indeed. So everyone's happy. No, it's a, it's a fun like role reversal. It's the whole thing. It's like, yeah, the wife's away for the weekend, but it's the same thing. Like, oh, thank God my husband's gone. I can't stand that motherfucker. I don't think that's a role reversal. That's the role. <laughs> Actually, I do kind of feel like maybe it comes down to your husband might be riddled with PTSD from wrestling with one of the most violent animals that ever existed in the way in which he has to do it and he's just a, a, a fucking gear in the cog cog and this yeah. whole fucking endless wheel mm -hmm. of of the whale industry that he's stuck on PTSD yeah. STDs you start seeing your wife as a whale yeah. you ever seen a C, you ever had a C transmitted disease no <laughs> I was stung by a jellyfish once. They can sting you even when they're dead. Oh, kind of cool. Did you remember cool. that about me? Yeah, <laughs> you can sting even when you're dead. Wink. The jellyfish. Oh. No, I mean, you might have a bit of a point there. The, um, an earlier verse of that song did talk about how much I love to spend whaling money when my <laughs> yeah. husband yep. is gone. Yeah, I mean, again, you're in it for the blubber. Yeah, you're in it for I the blubber. I know what's going on. And when it came to being truly independent, Nantucket women were quite forward thinking for the 19th century. Reportedly, a common item found in the bedside drawer of a Nantucket home was a six inch plaster dildo oh. euphemistically called a he's at home it's a he's at home i'm just so happy that they didn't go they didn't like oh i don't know exaggerate too much <laughs> like a six inch dildo six is, is just fine it's That's just all fine we need. It's, it's all a good. humble dildo <laughs> it is because again it's not because wait hey you don't want to come like replace him you yeah, want to miss no, him that's yes. the idea is that you give it i'd say four inches well <laughs> just so that you get yeah. a little bit that's just a normal that, that's a normal yeah, four inches, but yeah. also remember it's made of plaster and it's going to be very rigid so if you get like oh. a plaster eight incher in there that's going to be too much because the good thing about the eight inchers when you get the rubber ones you know they're flexible but plaster yeah. ugh. have you ever seen one uh he's at home look at that look at this big old fucking crazy head on it Wow. She was expecting a lot. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> wow, holy shit. Apparently, it was according to this one woman, she says that it, she felt that it was mostly myth about the he's at home. But I think uh -huh. that's just because 
she already got one locked up and she doesn't understand why anybody needs it. Yeah, why would it be myth? I mean, people (laughs) masturbate all the time. Yeah. But when it came to the whalers, they lived, as is tradition for romanticized American professions of yore, absolutely fucking awful lives Mm. of hardship, exploitation, injury, and frequent death, all while being expected to fulfill half a dozen areas of expertise. Whalers in the 1800s were sailors, hunters, butchers, explorers, factory workers, and merchants all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And yet whaling was one of the lowest paying jobs in America. Why? Because literally put the Amazon logo. logo All of the money went up to the top. Every, all of the money went up to the top and every one of these ships were bought into. They were all like time shared buildings. They were all Mm. owned by families that then would hire out the crews. So it's like all of the money is getting more and more diluted. It's basically the way American corporations are run today. Right. Whaling ships were the blueprint. It all began with whaling ships. During the industry's peak in the mid-19th century, ordinary seamen on a whale ship earned just about the same as women working in textile factories in Massachusetts. Two-thirds of what they would have made if they just moved to Boston as unskilled laborers. But then you don't get the stories. Yeah. I guess not. Put into perspective, the cabin boy who wrote the memoir of the sinking of the Essex was paid the modern equivalent of $3,500 for two years of labor. That's it? For two two years of labor. Although room and board was technically included in the deal. The room and the board is a goddamn ship that smells like scum from And you should be thankful (laughs) for it. Now, concerning the Essex, it was a relatively old ship when it set off for its last voyage in 1819. It had been in service for 20 years and had gone through numerous repairs, but the ship owners, who should have long since retired it, they sent it out again and again while also refusing to do any repairs until they were absolutely necessary. They didn't care. Wouldn't you love to find out that this boat that you're going to go spend three years on to go hunt one of the dangerous, most dangerous animals in the water, for, for everybody else's money, not yours. Yeah. But if you found out that the guys that owned it, because this was the attitude of the X6, were just being like, we think we can squeeze one more trip out of it. <laughs> yeah, it and like that's like- it. Can you imagine being on a plane and hearing the thing and being like, we think we can get one more. I mean, that's literally the story of Leonard, Skeenard, yeah. where they're like, we're going to have to repair this when we land. We'll think <laughs> up and we'll fix it up after takeoff. It's like, God dang, setting themselves up to eat each other, apparently. Yeah. Well, as we said, you know, a vessel like the Essex was sort of like a modern corporation in which people could own shares of the ship. And most men who bought whale ship shares own shares in multiple ships. So if one ship went down, no big whoop. I no. mean, but 20 people are dead, but that's not you. Yeah, that's, that's not a you. no big whoop. That's yeah. a no big whoop because it's yeah. not you. It's not you. But what that meant was that also like modern corporations, the shareholder was king. Corners were cut and costs were kept to a minimum. And besides its old age, the Essex was severely underprovisioned when it set out because it was accepted practice to nearly starve sailors for years at a time to maximize shareholder profits. Great. Good for them. They're just like ExxonMobil today. They're just like and oil. Yeah. Oil business. But since shit always flows downhill, the whalers of Nantucket also took every opportunity to fuck over anyone who came in from the outside to join the whaling life. I get it, man. You, if you want to be a part of this, it's it's like a, it's kind of like almost like a cult-like mentality. I'm yeah. like, yeah. you want to do this thing that sucks? <laughs> well, I'm going to show you how much it sucks because it sucks. Yeah, because it sucked for me, so now it's got to suck double for you. Right. It doesn't, why? What, now, why are you volunteering to do it? It's go- yeah, are you on the lamb? Are you running away from the law? The, What's the going law, on? Also, the yeah. love of the sea. Yeah, we'll get to it here in a second. <sighs> I mean, inexperienced sailors were called green hands, and Nantucket children would actually wait on the docks for green hands to arrive so they 
they could make fun of them for their poor life choices when they showed up. Oh, you like going out on that stupid boat there? <laughs> oh, you like, hey, hey, well, fuck you. You're going to be dead. You're going to die out there. Why are they doing Cause Why are they yelling at them? Because like, it's, you know, it's fun. And furthermore, once the green hand arrived on the island, everyone around him's talking in nautical terms all the time in a bizarre accent that says aisle instead of oil and sharp instead of sharp, all while they're still using thee and thou because they're a bunch of Quakers. Yes, it's they really, say, they they were idiosyncratic. Yes. Are they warder people? Warder? warder. Yeah, they're warder? definitely warder, yeah. No, I, I thought warder was the uh, Baltimore well, area. That's no, like warder the, is also Boston. Word. Warder. Or is that no, Philly? No, water. No, the Boston's water. Warder, I think, is also, isn't that Philly as well? I don't know. Warder. We're going to get into it. Oh, warder. God. We just wow. don't know. Every one of these I counties, know. we're going to get fucking, and all of, every one of these counties, <laughs> yeah, we're going to hear from yep. Grumbip County every is going to fucking get so mad. Mm-hmm. When I worked at Burger King, the general manager, big old gal, looked like a whale herself. She said, Warder. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> always always moving forward. Always moving back. Burger King. <laughs> always maybe. moving forward. Always moving back to fast food employment, <laughs> then always. moving forward moving again. Forward, yeah. Also, the 1980s logo of Burger King and the 1990s logo, extremely similar. It's true. Again, extremely similar. Looking forward. Well, once a green hand went to sign up for a voyage, no one told him about any of the pitfalls. And they did this as a rule. For example, a longer voyage did not mean more wages. And all experienced sailors knew that. Oh, yeah. Sailors signed up for a fraction of the voyage's net profit. It was called a lay. But they never told the green hands because the green hands wouldn't sign up if they knew that. Yeah, no one would, because you told about what you catch, yeah. right? So there's no guaranteed pay. So you have to go, so you could go out there, have your hands torn from your body by right. ropes, come back with nothing, and pay and be paid nothing. Actually, you could come back in debt. Yeah. A lot of guys went out on their first voyage. A lot of them came back and found that they had been paid either the equivalent of pennies a day, or they would be hundreds of dollars in debt to the whaling company. Always Great. read your contracts, and if you can't read... Uh, you better learn real fast. Learn within five minutes. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they did it for the experience anyway. Yeah. Some mm-hmm. of them did. I mean, Herman Melville did. Did he actually whale? Yeah. Yeah. He was yeah, he yeah. was obsessed with it. Yeah. Yeah. He actually he went out on a whale. Yeah. He wrote Moby Dick from 100% experience. Is that right? Yeah. Oh. But the thing is that, you know, they had to keep the green hands in the dark because everybody except the man at the bottom needed to be in on the system. They needed to right. exploit somebody for the whole thing to work. Absolutely. Now, when it came to the Essex, it was actually considered a lucky ship because it had lasted through so many voyages. And as we will, as you may or may not know, we talked a little bit in the Pirates episode and other episodes, sailors were extremely superstitious. Extremely, yes. It was a large ship at 87 feet, and the last several voyages had been captained by a man named Daniel Russell, who'd since been promoted to captain of a new and larger ship called the Aurora. That meant that Russell's first mate, George Pollard. I said Robert Pollard earlier. I think that's the guy who's in Guided by Voices. I might be. Oh, (laughs) I didn't know. Well, George Pollard had earned a command, so he was promoted to captain of the Essex, and his harpooner, Owen Chase, was moved up to first mate for what was, unbeknownst to them, the ship's last voyage. Yeah, man, Owen Chase, the ultimate fucking doom-filled Zoomer. Yeah. He was just, he was literally, this is the equivalent, we'll we'll talk about it, but Owen Chase is uh, you can only listen to your intern so much. <laughs> I guess so. All right. So they got a promotion. Mm-hmm, they did. To hell. 
Well, as far as the other men on the voyage went, you had your normal crew of youngsters aged 15 to 18. Four kids named Thomas Nickerson, Barzillay Ray. That's, that's a great name. It's a, Barzillay Ray is a wonderful name. Or yeah. It's either Barzillay or Barzillaya. Barzillaya. Yeah. A Barzillay. I like Barzillay. Yeah, you also had Charles Ramsdell and Owen Coffin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was the goth one. Yeah. Oh. Well, he was of the Nantucket Coffins. Oh, oh yeah, that then, was their um there was their ladies softball team. <laughs> <laughs> the coffins were actually a well respected family on the island. Oh, there were okay. the coffins, there were the Starbucks. The Starbucks were a huge family. Oh, and, but they are not of the Starbucks of the Starbucks family. They no. were inspired by the, the Moby Dick book. I looked that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah Starbucks yeah. is not the last name. It's Howard Schultz that created Starbucks. Yeah, yeah. that guy did it. Yeah, Starbucks yeah. is a character. My in president. My- <laughs> <laughs> He'll always be my president. Yeah, that's that's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's the Coffin family. And I'll tell you one thing, Jerry Sneezer. Uh, they, they started Stupid. Little Caesars. No, I won't. And then, oh my God, Amy no. Queefs. No, you know that's, the Queefs no, family? I'm worse. That's even yeah, worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, it's nothing nothing like Barry Shart or you can imagine anything. Anything. This anything. is funny. Well, a first name with a, a funny last name. Last you can name. Anything, anything, can, anything. Anything can be funny. Anything. If the words are Absolutely, funny. Yeah. You too can podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, uh, I did want one of the researchers I was looking at because the 200 year anniversary of this sinking of the Essex mm-hmm. was in November of 2020. And so I was watching these wow. poor Nantucket historians, very frail, <laughs> both in mask, very masked. 20 feet away from each other, trying to be interesting. It was very, very yeah. difficult. Oh, difficult, but, yeah. But one of them kept saying, like, oh, well, well, he was, uh, he did some research into the family connections on Nantucket. And he's like, you know what's interesting is that everyone was cousins. Isn't <laughs> <laughs> interesting? Yes, in, a t- in an island of 7,000 people, yeah, they, everyone was cousins. They were all fucking each other. <laughs> all right. Uh, well, also, Owen Coffin was the cousin of Captain George Pollard. Exactly. Okay. And that's the thing. For Nantucketers, a whaling voyage was the first step towards a long and profitable career so long as you made your way to a mate's position or, if you were lucky, a captain. Yeah, I mean, it was somewhat interns, you know, at least the Nantucketers. There was a way path forward. But for everyone else on the ship, a whaling voyage was a desperate last resort. You did not want to end up on a whaling ship. No. But in many ways that the rest of America was not, whaling ships were just the tiniest bit more egalitarian. Just a bit. And it was one of the few places where a black man could be paid the same as a white man. Although he's very little, very little. (laughs) Yeah, he still couldn't expect to be treated, housed or fed the same, but he could at the very least be paid the same. And that's also because of the Quakers view because they were anti-slavery. Yeah, very much so. But that is to say, seven black sailors signed up for the last voyage of the Essex, the last crew members to do so. And with the standard number of 21 men aboard, the Essex set sail for what was supposed to be a fairly routine two year long whaling voyage in August of 1819. Now, George Pollard was already well acquainted with the Essex, having spent four years aboard as second and first mate. But this was his first voyage as captain. Likewise, it was Owen Chase's first voyage as first mate. And if all went well, Pollard could be promoted to captain of a new ship following this voyage, and Chase could be put in command of the Essex. We gotta be careful. This is why you can't train. I'm sorry, Fernando. We can't train the producers too well because <laughs> yeah. all they're looking, they're looking at the back of your head, right? Yeah. They're looking at your back of your head wondering, when do I get to have the headphones on? Yeah. When do I get to get over there, right? Well, then uh, next, you know, Fernando does a great job as uh, one of the co-hosts. He's of crushing Abel it. He's, crushing. he's already doing it. He's, yeah, he's already, already doing it. It's beginning. It. He's done it. It's over. Wow. He's right there. It's happening. You can hear the sh- you can hear everything you're saying. <laughs> He's staring at you. He's staring at the back of my head. <laughs> That's where we're all going. <laughs> 
chance. Fatal error. <laughs> and so, after the captain gave his speech on the first day of the voyage, as was okay, tradition. Okay, guys, just so you know. Yeah. Looking for whales, number one. Yeah. Biggest fish you're going to see today. The whale. So if you're, yeah, yeah. So if you're curious, is that a fish or a whale? Is it bigger than you? Yeah. It's a whale. Okay, number two. Let's keep the farts to the top of the boat, okay? Okay. I don't need everybody farting in the bottom of the boat because it's already going to be smelly enough, okay? Good team. All right, every break. Good team. Can I kill a dolphin? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And just show it to me so we can all have fun have watching it scream. Okay? All right. We love screams here. Great. Uh, well, uh, dolphins, speaking of which, uh, they actually liked dolphin meat a little bit more than whale meat, but they didn't really like eating dolphins that much. And it was actually very hard to kill a dolphin because they had only the harpoon to use, oh. and a dolphin's hide is very thick. Yeah. That's why you'd use dynamite. <laughs> yeah, I've seen the uh, very sad documentary. Very sad. Yeah. Well, the Essex pushed off with high hopes and big expectations from the people in charge. High stakes. High why, stakes. Why the hope? Because, well, because Pollard is, he's, it's a very old ship. Okay. So he's been promoted to captain, but he knows I got to get, this ship is, there's no future on the Essex. So I got to do a great job on this so I can get promoted to a bigger ship. And okay. Chase is thinking like, okay, this ship maybe has two voyages left in it. If I get promoted this next time, that I can also get promoted. So it's these, all these, again, oh, man, it yes. is a corporate yeah. ladder that it all is. these guys are desperately trying to climb. All and right, let me teach you one thing about being a CEO. You see that carrot? You see it's in front of that person's nose? You pull it back. You pull it back. Pull make it back. Jump. And make then jump. make them jump. <laughs> but it's, it is also, it, you cannot overestimate just to, and oversay how valuable whale oil was. Yeah. yeah. And, and so every single time they were trying to get this shit, it was always a high priority yeah. for them, for the people up top. But for the people on the bottom, the green hands, the voyage was immediately a nightmare. Most found themselves so seasick they were ready to die. Have you ever been seasick? Yeah, dude. It's fucking. Remember my face blew up? Yeah. You remember that? Half of my face got swollen because we went on a little expedition to go fishing. Oh, it was horrible. Well, but that was right up until they got what was called the Nantucket Cure. To oh. cure seasickness. Just tell me this is not going to get sexual. No, well, ha, mm. well, the sick man would be made to swallow a piece of pork fat tied to a string, which would then be yanked back Can out. Can you think about this? I, I explained <laughs> this to Natalie. Why? How does this make you feel better? <laughs> you puke, I guess. I guess, but if that didn't work, you know what they do? What? They do it again. And if that didn't work, they do it again. And they do it again and again and again until the person stopped being sick or just started lying about yeah, feeling I'm, better. I'm, you know what? Wow, doctor. <laughs> that's the best medicine I've ever had. Thank you so much. I'm done with that. I think it's more the latter. Yeah. yeah. Now, like most whale ships of the era, the Essex took an indirect route following the Gulf Stream of the Atlantic. They're going, trying to go down towards the southernmost tip of South America. They're trying to pop around over into the Pacific. You swing around Cape Horn. Yeah. But this route took them all the way to North Africa, where they planned to stop off at the Azores Islands for provisions before sailing back towards Cape Horn. But just three days out of Nantucket, the Essex was ravaged by a storm that almost sank the ship. Yeah, three dude. fucking days. It's just, it, there was a lot of, because I feel like there was there was a couple of other bad omens, because they talked about how there was like, I there was a storm, there was something else that happened on the island. Did someone they, saw like a weird... Yes, they yeah, saw a cryptid. They saw a weird thing. Yeah, they yeah. said they walked... Like a dragon or something. They said that there was like a oh, sighting a of a they sea, saw a monster. sea monster. That's what it was. They talk about it, and, and, uh, but again, so superstitious. Everyone was like yeah. immediately skittish about the boat leaving because mm -hmm. there was like this weird harbinger of doom around it. Yeah. That's not a sea monster. That's my wife. My <laughs> wife. Thank you very much. Very good stuff. 
Well, even though Pollard had been on the Essex for years, he froze up when the storm blew in. And because he hesitated in giving the order to turn, the Essex was almost tipped over and two whaleboats on deck were destroyed in the ensuing chaos. Oh, my, Dude, my promotion. But, you know, literally, the, I didn't know that this could even happen. So a wind hit it. He just did it. He fucked up. He choked. Yeah. He fucked up. He, stirred it the wrong, he, he steered the ship the wrong way. Wind hit it straight on. It went completely sideways. And they had to wait for a wind if it was going to come to come and pick them back up. Jeez. Literally yeah. like. Because they, they just said, because otherwise they were like, he's like, one of the thing notes I read that was like, well, the best part is that when the ship's sideways, is that at least it protects you from the wind. That <laughs> and is so nice. then they're just stuck inside of a, a like everyone's gripping, hanging from the sides of the boat. Oh and my shit. God. Yeah. And the cook had to like dive out of the kitchen because all of his stoves and shit just fucking flew to the other That's side of the room oh, and almost crushed him. The poor fat cook. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell am I supposed to work? I need to be sure. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? You can grow lemon, avocado, olive, or fig trees inside your home on top of the wide variety of houseplants available. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. The experts at Fast Growing Trees curate thousands of plants for all climates, locations, and needs. Available 24-7, you can talk to a plant expert about your soil type, landscape design, and how best to take care of your plants. I love fast growing trees because I just moved here to Los Angeles. I got a yard now and I'm doing all the landscaping myself. I love working in my garden. I love planting stuff. I love growing stuff. And the cool thing about fast growing trees that I really like is that they tell you exactly what type of growing zone you're in. I'm in growing zone 10 and they can tell you exactly what type of trees or plants, or whatever you can put out in front of your house. Uh, I'm looking at the Norfolk Island pine tree. I'm looking at putting a little bit of red sister cordyline up in front of my fence. I think that'll the red will really pop nice. And maybe for the backyard, I got an extra planter that I might put a Satsuma plum tree in. And these prices are reasonable. They're reasonable if you've ever been to a nursery. But right now, they have some of the best deals online, like up to half off on select plants. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Now, the Essex was still seaworthy after the uh, storm, but it was certainly weakened. But the loss of two whaleboats was a big deal because a ship needed three whaleboats and two to spare if it wanted to have a successful journey. And sure enough, Captain Pollard 
rightly decided that the voyage was a bust and a return to Nantucket for replacement boats and repairs was needed. You're only three days out. Yeah. What's the fucking difference? Get back. But his first and second mates disagreed, Uh saying that all that could be taken care of once they arrived in Africa. It is. This is why I say the intern from hell, right? Because Owen Chase, he worked his way up. But they basically sat and he was like, you know, we need to turn around. We need, we're going to, we're going to repair. We're only three days out. We can just go, we yeah, can repair, cares? we can turn back around. It's a carnival cruise. But it is the literally the equivalent of the new weird Nepo baby hire you bring to your CEO sphere, right? You got the 23-year-old son of your VP who's got a <laughs> cell phone in hand looking at Twitter. He's like, but do you think that, how do you think Twitter will respond? <laughs> like, literally, it's that vibe where you just oh, like, man. you're going to freak out the sailors. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, you need, I know you might be Captain Nolan, but like... I got here. I just arrived here. Yeah. And so I might I'm know a little blood. bit more. I'm, I'm like new a, blood. I'm well, new blood. Yeah, I'm a new direction. I'm a new vibe here. <laughs> and so still... you might need to think about what you're doing and we need to actually do the opposite of what you're doing. I know you're in charge, but. It's still up to the captain to make the right decision. You're though. right. Yes, it is. And, you know, it's not the worst call because, you know, the morale of the sailors, it's pretty low. They're three days yeah. out of a two year journey and they've already almost died. Everything's all fucked up. Yeah. Not to mention, if they went home, they would the amount of lesbian action they'd see as they enter their home. Like, as their wife was like, I wasn't expecting you for another year and hey. two years, basically. <laughs> we were doing the maiden crisscross. <laughs> oh, no. And so Pollard was swayed by his men for the first, but certainly not the last time, to make the wrong decision. Now, predictably, when they got to the Azores Islands, there were no spare whale boats to be purchased. Likewise, when they continued south to the Cape Verde Islands, they only found that there was but one spare whale boat to buy. And so, after trading 30 starving hogs that were almost skeletons for half a barrel of beans, or of course, actually, they traded the beans for the hogs. Wait a second, they had a bunch of pigs on board this whole time? No, it's going to get even weirder than just gets, the pigs. Yeah, it gets weirder yeah, than that. I'd yeah. listen to the pigs. <laughs> Well, after they got all these starving hogs on board, they continued on their journey towards South America, one boat down. But then, halfway between Rio de Janeiro and Buenos Aires, three months into the journey, the crew heard a cry from the lookout for the first time. Oh my God, it was all those angry birds trying to kill the pigs. Blows! <laughs> now, when the crew heard either Thar she blows, thar she breaches, or thar goes flukes. Oh, yeah. All perfectly reasonable signals, meaning, hey, there's a whale. Everyone on the ship jumped into action. Thar goes flukes is a really good thing to see. If I talk about because you know what a whale tail is when you see the, with the, the underwear flukes. singing out of the back of the pants. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. that's a fun thing to say instead of, because, like, you know, it's disgusting to say, like, oh, look at that whale tail. We go, thar goes flukes. Thar goes flukes. <laughs> yeah, that's, oh. how you, that's when you see underwear sticking out. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. Well, the men prepared the whale boats with harpoons and rope, and the harpoons were sharpened one last time as the ship overtook the whale. And once the Essex was within a mile, three whale boats were launched, one commanded by the captain, one by the first mate, and one by the second mate. Where they were once sailors, they were now hunters. Yeah, they could put that other hat on. Yeah. No, it's kind of, it's fucking crazy what you have to do to hunt a whale. Yeah. I mean, it would be funny if they were just like hunting Chris Christie. Because <laughs> he's a big fat guy. See, again, <laughs> folk always forward momentum. Forward. Some of the best, most chuck current, chuck chuck most chuck current the most current. Remember current. Bridge? Remember Bridge? I remember I Bridge. Bridge game. I remember, Bridge game. I remember his 2014. Yeah, I remember football too. Yeah, I yeah. baseball. Baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big football. Now each whale boat <laughs> competed to see who could reach the whale first, yeah. but they also had to make sure to not scare the whale away by making too much noise. So the captains of the whale boat had to quietly coax and cajole the men in a way that's both aggressive and oddly tender. A little bit of cheerleading. Uh-oh. Here's an example. And Henry, 
I want you to do this verbatim. Okay. Please course, do this verbatim. This is literally this is verbatim. Do, for heaven's sake, spring. The boat don't move. You're all asleep, see? See, there she lies. Scold. Scold! I love you, my dear fellows. Yes, yes, I do. I'll do anything for you. I'll give you my heart's blood to drink. Only take me up to this whale. Only this time for this once pull. Oh, oh, St. Peter, St. Jerome, St. Stephen, St. James, St. John, the devil on two sticks, carrying me up. Oh, let me tickle him. Let me feel of his ribs. There he goes on. Go on. Oh, oh, oh. most on, most on. Stand up, Starbuck. Don't hold your iron that way. Put one hand over the end of the pole now. Now look out. Dirt. Dirt. Man, dude, you trying to flirt with me, man? You were going to go kill this whale. Men get very close on the little boats. I know they do. Now, on the first attempt at killing a whale on the Essex voyage, a 20-year-old named Benjamin Lawrence threw the harpoon. But when it made contact with the whale's hide, the once docile 60-foot-long creature Mm. became a massive, deadly monster. Cool. With just one swipe of his tail, a sperm whale could destroy a whale boat. And indeed, when the harpooned whale got aggressive, a second whale came up from below and smashed in an entire side of the boat with one smack of the tail. I wonder if whales, did whales call it going human name? No, they were just trying to fuck. (laughs) They were just trying to live lives. Yeah, none of the men were injured, but both whales were lost. Days later, after the whale boat was repaired, the lookout sighted whales once again. There she's coming! <laughs> oh. oh! White froth and cream! <laughs> and the boats were launched. After catching up to the whale, a harpoon was successfully lodged into the whale's thick hide, and the creature took off, dragging the boat on what was called a Nantucket sleigh ride. <laughs> That's what they do. They, so they stick the harpoon in, and then the whale goes running, and then you follow with the car, the, the boat being dragged yeah. by the whale, and then you slowly but surely pull yourself next to the whale by the rope. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that really happened. That happened in the first God of War and I think Red Dead Redemption. There is real it's education. A, They're teaching the kids. <laughs> They're teaching the kids. Do you also get, did you get radicalized by an e-girl trying to get you to join the Air Force? <laughs> yeah. I'm going to play the new Call of Duty Modern Warfare, but I've got to flip my entire political thought. Yeah, really. I get to even to join. You're technically yeah. you have to give money to yeah. someone. I'm starting to think they had weapons of mass destruction. Yeah, maybe, maybe. We better go over there for freedom. More like weapons of mass distraction. Oh, wow. Yellow cake. (laughs) I remember Hans Blix. Yep, I remember all this. 40. Traveling at speeds of up to 20 miles an hour, a whale could drag a 25-foot whale boat by rope and harpoon for anywhere between 20 minutes and 24 hours, depending on how much the whale felt like putting up a fight. Once the whale tired itself out, though, the crew would haul themselves within stabbing distance and there, the real carnage would begin. Yeah, it gets fucking gnarly. So literally, the whale at this point is exhausted, yeah. probably near death. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. well, it's tired for certain. It's tired, yeah. yeah. Well, the harpooner and the mate would trade places so the mate could take the honor of the kill. And using a 12-foot-long killing lance with a pedal-shaped blade, the mate would stab the whale again and again to find the whale's vital organs. Yeah, it was not an exact science. Um, no. May I say, aren't they always in the same spot? Um, Dang. I mean, it's a very large animal. I mean, it's, that's the thing. It's not like you're dealing with like a bear. Like you're yeah. dealing with a, an animal that can be anywhere between 40 and 80, 80 feet, feet long. long. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing is that it's also one big tube. It's a tube you know? of guts. Yeah. So you're just fishing around with this right. fucking knife looking for the important ones. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, well, the goal was to find a group of coiled arteries in the vicinity of the lungs because the head was too hard to stab the brain and the heart was buried deep within the whale. But when that coil was punctured, everyone knew because in author Nathaniel Philbrick's words, the whale's spout would transform into a 15 to 20 foot tall geyser of gore. Whoa. It's fucked up. It's like Nightmare on Elm Street when but Johnny Depp got killed. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. This would be met with a cry of chimneys of fire. Whoa. Yeah. That meant that the whale was drowning in its own blood and would soon be dead. Yeah. Oh. I mean, we've all been, we've all had a chimneys of fire moment though. Fun. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. After Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. yeah. The whale would then vomit and die in a pool of its own blood and puke in a nasty, drawn out death. It's very sad. Yeah. Now, once the whale was dead, the three whale boats would latch on and tow the 40 to 60 ton carcass back to the ship at a rate of one mile an hour. Whoa, they're yeah. cooking. Hey. Oh, dude. Usually they could expect to tow the creature about five miles. But once they got there, the entire crew turned from hunters to butchers and eventually factory workers. Who yeah, wears dude. the new hats? <laughs> Tony, you're in charge of bringing the butcher hats. I don't know what I am unless I have a new hat on. <laughs> oh my God. All we got is these Dave and Buster's caps that say, I love being a cock. <laughs> <laughs> well, it said that whalers were or, some... I'm sorry, Dick's Last yes, Resort. Dick's Last Resort. Resort. But also Dave and Buster's. I, every time I go there, I see so many guys wearing hats that say, I love being a cock. Yeah, it's different though. I think they're just selling them like it's merch. <laughs> yeah. Well, also speaking of death, you know, Buster committed suicide. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. It's true. That is true. Wow. Yeah, man. Wow. If the, if the Lord of Fun can't live, I don't know what we're supposed to do. Yeah. Well, when it came to the first whale killed on the ill-fated voyage of the Essex, the corpse was tied to the starboard side. Pieces of blubber were cut from the whale and lowered into the blubber room below decks, where it would eventually be processed into oil. Once all the blubber was stripped, the sperm whale's head, which constituted a third of the sperm whale's total length, wow. it was cut off and hauled up to the ship's deck, pouring out blood and gore. Yeah. It's so gross. It's just like, it it's just must have been so fucking gross. It's really ploppy. A lot of plop, plop, plop. plop, plop. Yeah, yeah. And they also built these giant kilns that were on the boat, right? So they had these like brick ovens in the center of the boat that would be used to boil the blubber into the oil. Yeah, and we'll get to artisanal pizza. Yes. Yeah, it is definitely from fin to table. Yeah, we'll get to the boiling of the blubber here in a second. But once they brought up the head, a hole would be cut out of the top of the skull and men would climb inside the head with buckets to remove all the spermaceti they could get their hands on. I love the feeling of, I love the smell of spermicide in the morning. <laughs> Absolutely. Because you a... just get right in there, man. Mm -hmm. they, would just, they would just be scooping out with their hands because they want to get every little bit of it. Yeah, spelunking spunkin for sperm. Hey, spelunkin for spunk. There you yeah. go. There you go. Well, the spunkin. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, after that, the men would return to the body and probe the whale's intestinal tract with a lance, searching for another substance called Ambergris. Well, that's going to be full of shit. Yeah, it, it was. That's the thing. Basically, is. It, it's the they're doing the worst possible shit. But guess what it was used to make? What perfume? Poopy perfume. Perfume. No, I know, but was it the hum It was the whale poop that made the perfume? I know no, it wasn't what. whale poop. It was something like it was some sort of disease. Um, it's, if the I perfume can, was made out of a disease. Basically, I think what it was, it was sort of like uh, if you 
crusted a solid, out. waxy, flammable substance yeah. of a dull gray or blackish color. If you cr- like, kind of, if you crusted out somebody's uh, arteries, yeah. you know, like fatty arteries, uh-huh. it's kind of like if you yes. crusted that out and then made perfume out it's, of that. And that and smells it is, good. It is used to allow the scent to endure much longer. Mm-hmm. But now they they figured out a new way to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they said that, that sometimes, uh, and the dogs love it. <laughs> oh, good. Well, isn't that nice? And it was worth more than its weight in gold. Wow. Yeah. And the whale blubber would then be boiled in a process called trying out the whale. <laughs> See, when the blubber was boiled into oil, it produced cracklings on the surface. Oh, that's not bad. You need a crackling. I'm mean, here. A good old crackling. Normally, yeah. I love a crackling. Yeah. But they would use, they would skim off the cracklings and use it as fuel, meaning the oh. whale was used to burn itself. Quit burning yourself. Yeah. One okay. green hand described the trying as having the quality of a quote, indescribable uncouthness. Yeah, I right. feel that, that. Yeah, I feel that it is indescribably uncouth. Yeah, this because, isn't that bad. I mean, they just, they got to cook up the whale. They got to prepare it. You well, know, they're also doing that on a deck that is covered in half an inch of blood. Uh, there's guts everywhere. Yeah. The carcass is. is Strewn, strewn all over everywhere. and everyone is covered in this shit for days at a time Probably actually that used to be a trick that they play on the green hands is that what the green hands it smelled so awful and it was so terrible that the green hands would change out of their clothes after every shift what they didn't know is that your clothes are ruined if you wore them during the trying. Right. Uh, so what they would have to do is buy more clothes from the ship's canteen, and that's how the Green Hands got into debt to the ship before Boom. they even came back. Perfect. Business on business on business on business. On business, yeah. There it is. It would be fun to make a bloody snow angel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at me. Look at me. Typical Green Hand. Well, additionally, the smelly, thick, greasy black smoke created by this process smelled, in Herman Melville's words, quote, like the left wing of the Day of Judgment, an argument for the pit. Yeah. But then again, as you've seen, we talked about a little bit earlier, some of the more experienced whalers would go to what they say, love the smell, Mm -hmm. because that means the expedition's going well. Okay. Well, this process went on continuously in shifts for three days. After it was all done, the deck would be mopped up, the corpse would be cut away, and the search for another whale would begin anew. Now, by the time the Essex had killed this first whale, they'd already been out at sea for four months, a poor showing by any measure. Yeah, one whale, four months? No, it was bad. Um, it's been bad. This was disconcerting to everyone on board, because remember, whalers made a share, not a wage, and the voyage wasn't over until the hold was full of oil. And there was no guaranteed exit to their contract, no. so also, they could be out They are out there until the hull is full. Mm-hmm. So they're actively killing their product with no ability to, like, regenerate it as well. That so was gets, a concern to them. It's harder and harder Pocahontas and harder. Pocahontas was wrong. Right? We said this <laughs> wow. at the top of the episode. Wow. Pocahontas was incorrect, because was Pocahontas in charge of Walmart? <laughs> I don't think she so. She had sex with the six-year-old man, yep. and she was 12 at the time. You can buy her action figure, though, at Walmart. You can that's buy right. Her toys. That's when the end, that's in the that's where she finally gets her comeuppance. You can also buy the <laughs> Guy Fox masks at Walmart and Target. It's, that's great. It is that's wonderful. sharply ironic in yeah. the most dark way possible. They won. Yeah. And our board game, also available at Target. Target! Good work, guys. Absolutely. It's very fun. The only complaints I've had is from people who are too stupid to figure it out. <laughs> you mean us? Yeah, us, us, literally us. Because yeah. yeah. they explained it to us, and we are like, well, we can't do that. <laughs> but no, people have loved the game. Now, once the Essex finally rounded Cape Horn at the southernmost tip of South America, they made their way up the coast of Peru, where they finally hit some luck, and oh. they began killing whales at a clip of one every five days. 
But just as things were turning around, the Essex met with the Aurora, owned by the same company and captained by the former captain of the Essex, Daniel Russell. Now, Russell told Pollard that he'd heard about a spot over 1,000 miles west of South America where another captain said that he'd fairly quickly filled up his ship with 2,000 barrels of whale oil. This is the competition. This is a lie. It also doesn't make any sense because he just whaled it. It's like like trying to go on a slot machine after the person just won the jackpot. They're like, oh, this one's lucky. No, you're a fucking moron. Yeah, Yeah, I remember that when you don't win at a slot machine and they cover you in whale blood. Yeah. (laughs) Man, they got to stop this. Well, I mean, the reasoning was somewhat sound. It was like, okay, this guy killed all these whales last November. It's May. When they're talking to each other, it's May of 1820. So you can go this November and then you can get the spoils this time. Oh. Well, I and, do, you know, and that's I, the thing. There are, at this time, there are millions of whales yes. in the ocean. It's not like there's like 15 whales that everyone's trying to whales. kill. Yeah. I will say it is, you know, I feel for the marine biologists that they talk to in all of these documentaries because mm-hmm. each one of them <laughs> literally on the verge of tears. Like, they they're love all whales trying, so much. Like, they love whales. Whales are their life. And, I mean, like, and the sperm whale can only really reproduce every five years. <laughs> Which, I mean, of course, yeah, it's it's horrible. It's, it's horrible. tragedy. But it's, it's awful. A, it's tragic. But it's that, too, where it's like, so they don't really repopulate that fast. No. No, they really don't. <laughs> like, uh, the sperm whales, we now know, we now have know. a specific language for each family. Each family, <laughs> and they have names for each other. They it's do. It's very sad. It's very sad. That very is sad. sad, yeah. Well, this new spot was called the offshore ground. And in reality, it was more like 1,500 miles off the coast of South America. Yeah, these guys really estimate a lot of shit. Yeah. The big estimations. From what we now know, the offshore ground is roughly the area around Tahiti and Easter Island. It's the South Pacific. So taking a chance, Captain Pollard decided to head into fairly untested waters because they were only halfway to filling their ship with oil after having been away for well over a year. And really, this is, again, not the worst decision. Had it not been for one fateful whale. And finally, he's nominated for an Oscar. Wow. (laughs) Now, before heading to the offshore ground, Pollard ordered his men to stop off at the Galapagos Island so they could farm for tortoises. Because true to form, whalers were a fucking virus that consumed (laughs) everything in their path in the pursuit of oil. Well, tortoises are fun because they're also their own little bulls. Yeah, it is sort of how they use it, but it's really fucked up what they did to the turtles. Because they were like, they had this idea of like, turtles don't eat. (laughs) They were like, they just said, this has had this kind of like, fantasy like uh, idea that, that oh no a turtle you can just keep it on a boat because it doesn't eat yeah totally well, a turtle eat. does eat well that's the thing is that a turtle actually can go a year without or a galapagos tortoise can go a year without food or water because their oh. metabolism is extremely slow but to the yeah, to funny. the whalers this meant turtles don't eat turtles don't eat well for yeah. a year you know that makes sense yeah well tortoises they weighed between 80 and 100 pounds some could be as heavy as 400 pounds there's some massive tortoises out there and sailors loved eating Galapagos tortoises, which we <laughs> so now consider to be like one of the most precious animals in existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, another, well, one. another one, they're like, this is tasty. Why don't we cut off the head, throw the rest of it in the garbage? Yeah, excellent. <laughs> You'd eat it, Henry. You well, need a tortoise right now. I don't like turtle. Yeah. I've had Just because you don't, don't like it. it. Yeah. If you loved it. Yeah, sure. It'd be great. I'd love it. Yeah. yeah. Wipe them out. But I, <laughs> but I ate it. I think it's gross. But yeah. it was so let also, live. it was the turtle just competing with the dolphin and the whale. So turtle meat is probably much better. Turtle meat was top because it was lean and tasty. It you was can a make white a meat. Soup. You, you can oh, yeah, make, you can a make a soup. Yeah. Yeah. And their necks are actually full of fresh water. 
So that's an extra source of water. That's it's a straw. Not tasty. It's not Poland Spring, but they're <laughs> no. like little straws. Yeah, they are because they grew up in an, they uh, evolved so in a volcanic <laughs> environment. It's so oh. fucking it's so fucked up. <laughs> and so the Essex crew disembarked and collected 180 tortoises for the rest of the voyage. Just imagine the ed, this fucking crew of whalers just hauling off on the Galapagos Islands with a bunch of sacks and just getting all the turtles and taking all the turtles away. And then they stacked yeah. them like boulders in the hull. Yeah. And then the turtles that they couldn't stack, they just littered the fucking deck Let with them tortoises. It's kind of fun to have a bunch of turtles around. I bet you somebody was like, that's my turtle. You don't fuck with Oh, that. there must be. <laughs> well, I, I, I can guarantee there's a couple of them being like, that's my friend. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Well, because they're doing nothing for weeks at a time. Yeah, they're just sitting nothing. on a boat. Hanging out with turtles. Yeah, just talk to the turtle. You can play Hungry Hungry Turtles. <laughs> no, you can't play Hungry Hungry Turtles because they thought that they were not Hungry Hungry Turtles. Oh. Well, not content with depleting the tortoise population of the island, one of the harpooners lit some bushes on fire as a prank. Yeah, look at this thing. Look what I'm doing. Yeah, my <laughs> Is that fun? I, you thought I'd leave one thing alone. But <laughs> no, no, I could set fire to that as well. My uncle did that. Yeah. For uh, July 4th one day on accident. What? Uh, he lit a bunch of bushes. He threw a grenade and blew up a bunch of bushes. <laughs> oh, that's fine. That's in Wisconsin. <laughs> that yeah. You could set fire to a whole patch in <laughs> Wisconsin. Yeah, it was the yeah. 80s. I think no. it was the 80s. This fire burned down the entire island. Yeah. Like it, oh. it engulfed the entire island in flames. And it was still a blackened wasteland years later. Never yeah. fully recovered. Oh. Still to this day, kind of fucked up. But it's like 30 years before Darwin. Yeah, something it is. Like it's that, a really. long, yeah, by the time Darwin got to the Galapagos Islands, uh, not only had whalers completely just decimated the population, but San Franciscans had also discovered that turtles are super tasty. So mm. there was this pipeline from the Galapagos Islands to San Francisco. <sighs> I people just that. going, getting a bunch of turtles, bringing them I back, just slaughtering all of them on the fucking just bay. being a turtle and just being like, you guys have beef. You guys have chicken. You guys have turtle. pork. You yeah. have so many other far more delicious meats than us. How in the living fuck <laughs> did you find me? I'm covered in a protective shell. Yeah, I am. Right. There's all of it saying, don't eat me. Don't eat me. Leave me alone. Sailing thousands of miles to ground. All of you dying of scurvy. <laughs> and all of you just mm. eat this disgusting, wormy meat. I don't know. It's, uh, it's ready to go. Yeah. Again, it is a microwavable dinner of the sea. Yes. Now, to give you some perspective on how time worked on a whale ship, the Essex heard about the offshore ground in May and set course, but they didn't actually arrive there until, as I said, November of 1820. This is actually perfect timing because that was the month in which sperm whales were supposed to arrive there. It's presumed oh. that it was a breeding ground. By then, they were 1,000 miles from the Galapagos Islands and hadn't seen a whale in weeks, which raised tensions even further. Yeah. But finally, the lookout spotted a whale and first mate Owen Chase was the first to launch his boat. But before he could throw his harpoon, the whale surfaced underneath his boat mm. with enough force to throw Chase into the air and the creature escaped, further increasing frustration aboard the Essex and especially further increasing the frustration in Owen Chase. Bet you the turtles laughed, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm like, gotcha, <laughs> fucking bitches. Four days later, whale spouts were seen once again. But while the other two boats managed to harpoon whales... Owen Chase's whaleboat got smashed by a whale tail. Oh. Angered that he'd been knocked out of the hunt again, Chase hurriedly repaired his boat by very quickly and very loudly nailing canvas over the hole. Uh. And he returned to the fray. This was a captain's idea. Yes. Because he was yeah. like, well, first of, mate's idea. Yeah, he was like, let's just fix this up real quick. Right? Yeah. We got to get him back out there. So instead of properly fixing it, we'll just nail this piece of canvas to it, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. I haven't seen such a large whale tail since I was at the outlet mall in New Jersey. <laughs> See? 
That's fun. Mm-hmm. Now, behind the helm of the Essex was cabin boy Thomas Nickerson, all of 15 years old. Oh. Because when everybody, la- like when the whale ships launched, almost everyone on board were on those ships. Only three people were left behind to keep the ship from sinking. I mean, that's where you want to be. Yeah. You want to be left behind in that oh, situation. Oh, very much so. Oh, very yeah. much so, yeah. Well, Nickerson later wrote that off the port bow, he saw very suddenly... <gasps> The largest sperm whale anyone on board had ever seen. An 80-ton leviathan, 85 feet long, as big as the ship itself. Yeah, and they, because we had sort of, you know, (laughs) we had run through a lot of the bigger whales already. Mm -hmm. Because this was a bull whale, it was a large male whale. And we've discovered at this point that that we had been searching for these big whales, because that's what fills up the hole, that's what fills up the hole faster than a bunch of little Uh, tiny whales. I've seen some documentary footage (laughs) on that. So he wanted to, but... So this was a rare find, and this thing was specifically extremely on the fringe of sperm whale sites. It was very kind. It was like, almost like at first you're like, "Yes, look at all the oil," and then you're eventually like, "Oh no, <laughs> they got to deal with it." Yeah. yeah. from your grave. Across America, BP supports more than two hundred seventy-five thousand jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Now, whales rarely attacked ships, usually opting instead for the whale boats that were obviously trying to kill it. In fact, in Nantucket lore, no whale had ever made a direct assault on the main ship, or at least no one had ever returned to tell the tale of a whale attacking a ship. But this was no... You tell me it's a whale tale about a tale of a whale burning your boat? It's very good. It's very good. It's It's kind of a limerick. But this was no ordinary encounter. This was the whale of Ahab. Oh. <laughs> the book. Oh. The book. The book. It's not nearly he's as He's not, he's not like an Instagram influencer. No, oh, I no, no, see. No. Captain, like the, Captain Ahab. It's a moment of It's a literary illusion. Yeah, you can you know the tale the, the whale of Ahab covered in tattoos and stuff. Whoa. Oh. Antifa. <laughs> Antifa. <laughs> You're more like Aunt Tifa. <laughs> you really nailed it. We're hip. Well, swimming beneath the surface of the water with its head directly pointed at the Essex, the whale dove and came back up 35 yards away. And with a tremendous crash, it rammed the side of the ship, sending sailors and tortoises flying across the deck. <laughs> Man, what a day for the tortoise. He just got to be like, come on, can I get a break out here? The whale then swam under the ship and bumped the bottom hard enough to knock off the false keel. Then it resurfaced near the rear at the starboard quarter. Now, at this point, first mate Owen Chase actually had a chance to harpoon the whale and maybe save the ship. But he hesitated. Oh, Owen! But that was actually the right decision. 
because the tail was dangerously close to the ship's rudders. And if the rudders were damaged, everyone would be fucked. And conventional knowledge held that this whale probably didn't attack the ship on purpose. Conventional knowledge, whales don't attack ships. So it's like, okay, well, I'll just get it the next time around. Have we thought about maybe removing those huge, perfect whale tits from the bottom of our vessel? <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't recognize the boat without them. Yeah, it seems like this whale really wants to fuck. <laughs> yeah, but you, he probably did. Yeah. That is it kind of what they probably what it was doing was they're fucking. Uh, I, I, I don't There's know. There's a lot of theories. There's a lot of theories. But had Chase taken the chance, he might have averted the many tragedies to come. The whale, still in a sort of insane rage that none of the whalers had ever witnessed. I but hate Velma! <laughs> Very. I hate Velma! Very good. It began snapping its huge jaws and oh. thrashing at the water. Then it turned back towards the Essex at a distance of 600 yards. And at twice his original speed, it torpedoed the ship with its skull. It's, it is very cinematic. Like, yeah. they're yeah. just sitting on the boat, and you watch this thing, because they said it was stunned, right? So it was kind of like flopping next to it, and they're like, oh, what's going to do? And they watch it swim away, and they're like, oh, yeah. Like, Thank God. Right, we're going to be over. And then just watching it turn around. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> and it just destroys, because they're talking about, like, it was like eyes of wonder. Like, that, the, the way they talked about, like, we, when it just hit the boat, they were all like, this literally it's just never happened. We've never even heard of this happening. Yeah. Yeah, brutal. And with that, the Essex began sinking bow first. Nice. If you're a whale, this is a great day. You it's got all good the food. <laughs> well, one of the sailors, William Bond, had on his own initiative retrieved the navigational equipment in the officer's quarters and ran it back to the spare whaleboat being prepared for sea. Had he not done that, no one would have survived. Bond and the others made it just as the deck of the Essex was inches above the ocean's surface, and the great old ship capsized moments later. Two miles away, the third whaleboat, commanded by Captain Pollard, could only watch as the Essex sank below the horizon. I mean, so much better to watch. I, I mean, I <laughs> like, guess. Thank God we're not that guy. But you know that everything's fucked, because all of your shit was on that. Yeah. Right, yeah. When Pollard and his men returned, they found the hull floating on her side, and each man stared at the wreckage in silence in what Chase called, quote, the paleness of despair. Mm. By Owen's later reckoning, it was less than 10 minutes time between the whale's first attack and the eventual capsizing of the ship. So the lesson, take the chance when you can. Every day, take your shot. Take, take your shot. shot. Take your chance. Take your take shot. shot. You in? Are you Tell in, Becky you like her today. Sure, <laughs> sure. Are you in the middle Harpoon of Harpoon Becky in the belly <laughs> and, and and drag yourself closer to her? Yeah. Miner for her her oil, her which amber, is her blood. Her, yeah, your amber grease cut off the top of her head and suck out her brains. You want to be a comedian, but you live in Mondovi, Wisconsin. You can pick up, you get on the plane, you go to New York City. You move City. to yeah. downtown Mondovi. <laughs> and you start, you start the Yuckle starting. Hut yep. in downtown Mondovi. Mondovi. And now the 21 men were all huddled together in what amounted to large open-air rowboats with only the clothes on their backs Ooh. and a bunch of now fairly useless harpoons. But all this begs the question... Why did the great beast attack? I hate Velma! <laughs> I know, I know. Well, author Nathaniel Philbrick believed that it may have been a case of mistaken identity. Hmm. See, sperm whales use a cartilaginous clapper system. <laughs> oh, tell <laughs> that's me how, more. That's how I can see where Kissel is. <laughs> in yes, <the> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> The cartilaginous clapper system uh -huh. is used to create a clicking sound that sperm whales use to see through echolation, and they use it to communicate with other whales. Here's what it sounds like. 
well, make thank you. sure <laughs> to drink your Ovaltine. Ovaltine. Yes. All right. Oh, yes, huh? <laughs> 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 oh, I was going to a funny joke. Oh, you guys don't get the reference. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, so. The females have a more... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so it was a quite droll. Yeah, it was quite droll. Very funny. <laughs> Almost a British sense of humor in the whales. Now, the females have a Morse code-like series of clicks. It's closer to what we just heard. But males have slower, louder clicks that whalers called clangs. And they learned to listen for clangs because a clang meant a bull. And that meant more oil. Sure. Clangs often sounded like the tapping of a hammer. And it's thought that when first mate Owen Chase nailed the piece of canvas to the bottom of his whaleboat in haste, he might have transmitted sounds that told this other whale that there was a competing bull in his territory. No! Yes, and he might have been there slinging his own, his actual cum. He might have been. He might have been, we don't know. And they're also saying, did he bump into the boat accidentally? There's some of that talk. They don't know whether or not he first hit it and he didn't know what it was. And then he's like, what? What the fuck you trying me? And then he came back yeah. around and he did it again. Yeah. Well, it was, or it was the devil himself. Yeah, or it was the devil himself. Right. <laughs> That's also another theory. Yeah. But it, it was more be. like that he wasn't trying to fuck the ship. It was that he was trying to kill yes. another whale that was trying to fuck his whale. His, his whale. Yeah. I've seen reality TV. I know <laughs> how this works. I've watched a lot of Bridezilla recently. Oh, mm. yeah. Not doing well. Well, this is why they have this theory. Typically, when a whale fought with a whaleboat or a whale ship, it used its jaws or its tail. But yeah. whalers have noted that competing male sperm whales will attack each other in a similar way to how the 85-foot-long bull attacked the Essex, head on. Oh. And while the Essex was indeed made of strong white oak, it was 21 years old and had gone through two serious storms during that last voyage alone. Oh, yeah. Making it no match for the Leviathan that attacked it. Cool. And ironically... It has since been found that the echolocation system in sperm whales seems to be built around the organ that produces spermaceti. Spermaceti. Whoa, so this thing was full of it. (laughs) Yeah, man, to the brim, frothing with it. Whoa. And that means that the thing that the whalers were killing the whales to get was their eventual engine of destruction. Interesting. Wow, that's like being someone who makes wine who's killed by grapes. Yeah, oh no, I slipped on these grapes. <laughs> no. I fell on my my artillery shell. I went up my ass. Oh yeah, that does happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've seen that. Two different stories. I've been like twice twice a year on twice side year. stories. Yeah. Somebody gets something shoved up their I ass. I fell. I fell. <laughs> and so Captain Pollard ordered his men to salvage what they could from the floating wreckage. They found two casks of bread, 600 pounds of hardtack, and several barrels of fresh water. Now, this sounds like a lot, and it was. I mean, no, no. It was for a year-long trip. It's a lot to have. Two of fucking bread? 600 pounds of hardtack. That's a lot. What's hardtack? Hard bread. It's hard bread. It's like a really hard. Yeah, it's a hard biscuit that you have to soak in water in order to eat. Which is difficult because they don't have any water. Yeah. (laughs) Well, actually, salt water might be good on that. No, it's not. Actually, they try. We'll get into why that's a horrible idea on the next episode. A little sardine. Dehydrates you. Um, But the thing is that even this was far too much for the whale boats to carry. They're 25 foot long boats. There's there's like, and there's seven guys in each of these rowboats. So they don't have a whole lot of room for food or for barrels, huge barrels of fresh water. Right. So they took what they could fit along with a lot of tortoises, 
and a couple of hogs. <laughs> these are, are they ever eating these you goddamn hogs? To, it's, it's hard because now you got to find the room to you got to take them apart. Yeah, yeah. And after three days of salvaging what they could and constructing makeshift sails for their whaleboats, they called them jibs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is cute. Yeah. That is nice. The men were suddenly quote I love this phrase bludgeoned with despair. Yeah, oh, I, they got feel, sad. I, I know that feeling well, a little bit, yeah. but not like that. Not like being marooned on a boat. Yeah. Thousands of miles away from a coastline. No, but mm-hmm. just like being surrounded by a bunch of bread and pigs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, ugh, so, like all these bread and pigs, but I can't eat them because none of them are prepared. Oh. Yeah. yeah. That's hell. That's hell. That's hell. That's hell. Yeah. That's hell. yeah. yeah. And some of the men began fainting from anxiety as reality set in and they couldn't eat or drink, which they this should have been when they were eating and drink, at least put kind of putting on some pounds because they were having to leave a lot of food behind. But they couldn't because they were so fucking scared. Oh, come on. How scared do you got to be not to be able to eat? I've been this, that's like this, a daily occurrence. That's no, different. Some no, 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 different. No. I'm an eater when I am scared. Yeah. You gotta no, build that. That's your that's technically your brain, your reptilian it's brain saving mental your insulation, life. Insulation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes your reptilian brain tells you you can't eat because something is trying to kill you. Yeah. If you but stop then, to eat, then that thing is gonna kill you. That's that, mine. Oh, that's no, when I no, release, no, you can eat the on the go. Is, <laughs> that's when you you gotta release scat. <laughs> If you release scat, then the predator looks for your scat. Absolutely. Yeah, the scat is like, it's almost like a hologram you. Yeah, always. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, things I were- love that scene in Star Wars where was, that was just scat. <laughs> scat. It'd be yeah. like, Darth Vader's here? Help yeah. me, Obi-Wan. Yeah. yeah. No, things were made worse than... <laughs> Obi-Wan's shit. Just thinking of Darth <laughs> Actually, what I was thinking about was Jar Jar Binks scat. Yeah. Because oh, like, yeah. he was so scared yeah. when the poodoo came. <laughs> and he said, oh, no, you got the donkey poodoo or whatever the poodoo was. There was a lot of poodoo. I don't, I don't know what that. that was all about. I do like Jar Jar. I'm team Jar Jar. And without him, they wouldn't have survived because he knew how to fly. Or he knew how to drive. He knew how to function. Yeah. I think he, he didn't. Have... He didn't. He didn't know how to do the boat, though. He just sat there and screamed the entire time. Whatever. Yeah, he's funny he comic Misa, relief. Misa, so Jar Jar. Yeah, yeah. He's a funny comic relief. He just screamed. Who's funny comic relief? But I think he would have little turds. I think he would have rabbit yeah, like turds. Like oh, like yeah, pellets. Yeah, pellets. Or is it like that hippo video where the poop? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't gotten well, to that as... Disney Plus series yet. <laughs> oh God. Well, things remain worse. Jar Jar shits. Seriously, we're very close to that. Always moving real forward. Close. Everything is content. <laughs> it's all content. Things remained worse the next morning when the Essex began to break apart. Oh. And the whale oil. <laughs> Jar Jar shit just him on a fucking toilet. Mickey me Mouse so, just masturbating in front of him. Me so shitting. <laughs> oh, God, they won't let me. They won't let me pitch. They won't hear my pitch. Dude, anymore. I know, man. I know. Oh. We, we had our chances at pitch meetings. <laughs> oh, we had them. Starter logs. Yeah. So yeah. dramatically yeah. blew those in a way that was. Almost watching our manager be so sad, and then we were laughing. Yeah, we were laughing. Because we had no choice. Uh, Yeah. Well, the Essex began to break apart, and the whale oil that the men had worked so hard to harvest slicked around them in a reeking pool from which there was no immediate escape. Now, by noon on the fourth day, Captain Pollard had made his navigational calculations and was ready to discuss options with his first and second mate, of which there were actually quite a few. Okay. First, they could backtrack to the Galapagos Islands, 1,500 miles away. This was a bad option for multiple reasons. And likewise, Hawaii, that was also discussed. They knew where Hawaii was, but the small vessels couldn't survive Hawaii's storm season. They were right in the middle of it. Mm. They could also sail west towards the island of Marquesas, about 1,200 miles away, which was a pretty smart move. Marquesas had been a popular port for Chinese traders for decades, and the island of Tahiti was reachable as well. Both could be reached in less than 30 days. Sounds fun. But by 1820, 
Nantucket sailors had come to believe that many South Pacific islands were infested with cannibals. Coincidence? (laughs) Strange. See, a few years earlier, a U.S. Navy captain had published reports that in time of famine, the people of the Marquesas Islands would butcher wives, children, and aged parents for food. And another visitor to the island said that the natives greatly enjoyed human flesh and, quote, those who have once eaten it can oh. with difficulty abstain from it. Oh, they just absolutely love it. I think coconuts <laughs> might be better. Oh, absolutely. But, uh, again, it's a, and it's also a bit like a, a fear of the unknown race. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. it's like you look at this thing and you kind of paint it being like, oh, no, they're primitives and they must eat each other. Well, it's but a also, bit- uh, what's the spuds? They are, well, there was also within sailing life. Cannibalism was kind of referred to as a thing that was like, well, they called it happen. They called it the custom of the sea. That was their euphemism. Oh, well, that's horrifying. Uh, It's kind of like cannibal holocaust in a way. Well, that's the thing. I mean, was cannibalism practiced on South Pacific islands from time to time? Yes. Was it cannibal holocaust? No. It's not. I'd give him my pinky toe. I'd be like, here's a little tip. Yeah, why don't you you (laughs) you suck on that bone a little bit around? Yeah, suck on that bone. There's some good mar on there. And from what it seems, Captain Pollard probably knew this, especially since Tahiti was by this time home to a thriving English mission complete with a large chapel. But Captain Pollard's style Mm. of captaining was decidedly more democratic, Mm. which was absolutely the wrong style in a fix such as this. I feel like when you're on a bunch of boats, right, and then everything's gone, you're fucked. Fucked. The idea of taking a vote at that point, you're like, Let's just go with my fucking idea. You got to be a leader just sometimes. Then you get back to the democracy when you're on the boat. When you're on the land. But this isn't the time to check the polls, Owen. (laughs) No, you got to lead here. Well, Pollard knew that heading to the islands would increase their chances of survival. But most of the men were scared not only of the cannibals, but by the fact that the people on those islands also openly accepted and practiced homosexuality. Which is just like you're on a boat, bro. I know you're seeing. I know. That you, you provide comfort every once in a while. <laughs> I know you see a man hurting for it. Yeah. yeah. And you're sitting there and you're like, Arr, yeah. I so can get in them. Their homophobia was so deep. They're marooned in the middle of fucking yeah. nowhere. It's possible going to be whale meat at any time. But the idea of seeing another man's ball sack was like, I'd rather have this. Yeah. I mean, I'd well, rather eat ball sack bread. all day. It was both things combined. With each other. It was like, not only are they cannibals, but they have sex with each other. They, they, lo- they, they have love- sex I with mean, each other. I mean, come on. We're here at sea. Yeah, we'll suck each other's dicks all the fucking time, but they, they love they each other. Right, they love they Private they Ben Shapiro. <laughs> That's really not the biggest deal. <laughs> yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. A woman should only be wet if you dunk her in a pool. She should push you in a river. I know you're me, such a me, you're a manly man. You're a man. Can you go back to please cleaning out all the turtles? <laughs> and so instead of hanging out with a bunch of chill gay dudes in Tahiti, probably having a wonderful time. Incredible. Be- oh man. <laughs> Chapter seven. Margaritas. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter nine. Pina coladas. Pina coladas. Wow, this this really this really jumped the shark there, Herman. Instead of that, they went with arguably the worst option. Great. They decided to follow the easterly trade winds back to the coast of South America, fifteen hundred to two thousand miles away, by their reckoning, where they'd hopefully be picked up by another whaling vessel. And this would become known. This would become forever mem- uh, memorialized in the writing as the fatal error. Mm-hmm. All that had to happen was one dude had to raise his hand, much like they did in the 90s, and say, brother, they're gay. More pussy for us. <laughs> and then everyone would have been like, more you know, pussy for us. Holy fucking wow. shit. Brother, my paradigm. Flipped it. Flipped a paradigm. As a result, and trying to avoid cannibalism, 
the crew very ironically guaranteed it. Oh, man. And that's where we'll pick back up for the conclusion to our series on the tragedy of the Essex. Yep, 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 yep. And that's why it's good to be skinning on a boat. It really is. I'm I'm starting to think I'm a little pro-whale. Yeah, man. we all are. We all are. We of all are pro whale because it all comes down whale. to it. They they asked they they asked for it. You went out there. You went to try to hunt this giant animal. It just fucking sitting yeah. there. And then sometimes it's gonna fuck you up. Yeah. And then maybe we'll figure out. I I, I bet you because they talk about how many times these ships went missing. How many more oh. whales killed ships? Yeah. It must have happened way more no, than they just, ever thought that it did. All for fucking candles. For candle. well, candles, no, and- it's, candles were the part of it, but it was straight up. It's the fucking lubrication for yeah. all of the the factory machine. Yeah. yeah, it's the l- lubrication. Yeah, we'll get into it later, but yeah, it was. I can't wait. I mean, really, uh, what happened with whaling is yeah, we'll um, be slick with it. Yeah, we'll be real the, slick with the it. Next but yeah, two episodes, we're going to be completely covered in KY. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, it wasn't until the discovery of petroleum in 1859 uh, that whale oil started going out of fashion. So you c- compare it to Exxon Mobil. Yeah, Exxon Mobil was what killed the whaling. Industry. All comes back to lubrication, man. All of it. Oh, fantastic. That's why I'm pro ExxonMobil to this day. <laughs> <laughs> brave stance. Yeah, I know. Wow, really brave. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, do we have anything to announce? We have our Australian tour yes. in August. That has been so rescheduled there. completely. Um, I wait. would like to invite you out. I'm going to put up an information on my social media, but we're going to be doing a bit of a side stories live April 8th in Hollywood. Yeah. Movie theater helping me promote a project I'm working on. I can't Tell me wait. me a project I'm working on called Disaster Man. But it's going to be a big, fun live show. I can't wait. So just come so out. It's going to be great. So we'll come out. We'll figure out. We'll give you more information and you as know, it's, it rolls out. It's another classic last podcast booking. I got a phone call from Henry, and he was like, you don't mind a booked us on a show, do you? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> absolutely not. Also, another last podcast booking because this is the first time hearing of it. See? It's for side stories. It's for side stories. You can just come. You can just be entertained by us. You can just sit and be entertained by us. Oh, that's perfect. Why would I do that? Cause you can't get wow. it up. <laughs> wow! Wow! Can't believe wow. it. But also, if I'm if I'm, coming, would I, if I'm showing up in the audience, why don't I just come on stage? Well, why would I have sex with the cow if I can get the milk for free? <laughs> yeah, why would I have sex with this guy at the cow shop? <laughs> That's great. Well, um, just matter, you're just not be, invited. Just you have an anti-ticket. <laughs> We've given him an anti-ticket. Yeah, exactly. This is a ticket so you can go anywhere but here. Anywhere Absolutely. but here. Great. Perfect. Um, so, sounds good. Perfect. I'm going to go, well, I'll go watch a, a, a movie. Go watch one of your bands that you like. <laughs> Don't see Avatar 2. It's a waste of time. <laughs> I heard it was fantastic. <laughs> it's fine. It's a screensaver that talks. Oh. But uh, but also check out Deep Dives. We're, going, we're yeah. having another show. Yes. of LPN Deep Dives. This time it is with the beautiful Na- Natalie Jean and the very talented Jackie Zabrowski. Yes. They're going to be doing beautiful Jackie Zabrowski. Yeah, yeah, Also, yeah. But you guys can check it out. It's a, based on the book series A Court of Thorns and Roses, Woo. which is this. Uh, it, it is a fuck book. Mm, it's it's fuck a book. series of erotica books Great. that's uh, apparently very thick. And so they're going to talk about it. It is this book series has ripped through the lives of our families. Mm-hmm. Uh, every woman in our sphere ended up getting addicted to these books. Horny. They're humming with it. They're yeah. humming with these fucking, these fey, man. They did they, they really deep dick. Absolutely. But it, Valentine's Day is when that will be. Mm, oh, fantastic. Nice. And thanks for supporting our little serious ventures. Oh, uh, yes. Open Lines and Hail Yourself. That's Monday and Tuesday at 6 p.m. PST. I've been enjoying, uh, we've been enjoying the phone calls and uh, just another little nice way to interact. I like yeah. to see the people in here. And I got to meet Brandon Marshall. The, four, the, the football, football player. player. Wow. And he said, I said, I'm Ben Kissel. He said, I'm Brandon Marshall. And it was very nice. And, and then he regards me now. That's See? great. He waved at me. That's, and I was like, oh, that's, yeah. I, that's all I want to be at. I want to be the, 
Hello, Mrs. Anderson. I, however, I would like to ask you though, if Henry would have introduced himself, do you think that he would have kept noticing Henry because he's not this? Because you're the same size. Yeah, as he Brandon sees Markle. he was a thing that he can recognize. <laughs> well, I feel like he just says, he just throw towels at me. <laughs> no, no, I think he's. A, we, we record next to each other, and I think he's uh, impressed with how energetic we are. Oh. Wow, he hates and I us. Told him, I that told him, means he fucking no, hates us. I yeah. told him what we cover. He's like, oh, that sounds... I was like, UFOs, aliens, fun stuff. He's like, that sounds really cool because, oh, he talks about football. So anyway, he can be a guest on the Let's do it. That's great. That'd be great. That'd Let's be awesome. That's very attractive. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's a big guy. Oh, and also, last comic book on the left, volume yeah. two. It is out is and it's delivering. Yeah, yeah we, we, got it, we got them in the mail. They look fucking awesome. fantastic. Uh, there's some great stories by some amazing writers in this. We got fucking Rick Veitch. We got James Tenian. We had David Mack do a fucking... Uh, Cover, very cover for it. It's wow. fucking amazing. It's, it's so cool looking. Yeah. It's great. It's beautiful. And I just, I'm, we put a lot of work into it, and I'm glad you can finally get your And unlike too. Playboy, I read it for the pictures. Okay, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Thank you all so much for <laughs> I mean, listening. I just had to turn around. Hail yeah. yourself. Hail Satan. No gain. Congratulations. Leave the whales alone. Please. Stay away from Please. the sea. For now. They're you fascinating, I mean? mysterious creatures. Until they be. figured out how to build a military. <laughs> yeah. Because then they're coming back. <laughs> I feel like they're going to come for a Can you bring a big spear onto a carnival cruise and just start whaling on it? <laughs> mm. Just hang out by the hamburger buffet? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. Because they're big people. Yeah. I'm just, that's where my family was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my cops. <laughs> This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Packages by Expedia. You were made to be rechargeable. We were made to package flights, hotels, and hammocks for less. Expedia. Made to travel.